Hump Day? Wait, is that still a thing right now? Do you remember that Geico commercial, Char? Do you remember that when he walked into the office? Yes, yes. Of course I remember that camel in the workplace. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, you calling me a camel now? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Happy Wednesday. Drop the subject, listeners. It is James Q. Simmons here on Channel Q with Char Jossel. Char, it is so lovely so far this week to have you with me. I I feel like maybe we're good. Allie can just do her thing wherever. Like you and I should just steal the show, right? <laughs> this is Allie's home turf, honey. I know, I know. I don't want to. I don't want to uh, talk any mess about Allie because I, I have a feeling that Allie is also intermittently listening as well. And uh, oh, I, I have to be nice. I hope then- so. I have not seen Allie. Or spoken to her in months. I mean, with the exception of her reaching out for me to fill in this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Well, just uh, for those of you who haven't heard earlier on in the week, um, Allie is doing fine. She is great. She's working on a little project. So she had to step away for the week from Drop the Subject. So instead, they gave me and Char the reins to the show for four hours a day. I don't know what they were thinking. Yes, I have had to talk to the boss multiple times this week for my antics. Uh, no, I'm kidding. He he says we're doing great. Drop the subject, listeners. I hope you think we are doing great as well. As always, please uh, get at us on social media at DTS Show and, of course, at We Are Channel Q. Now, Char had kind of a rough day yesterday while we were recording the show. Yes. Uh, and it I was think just you, a little you, hiccup. It was a little hiccup. It was a little hiccup. But you, I think you experienced something that is a lot of people's, not like worst nightmare, but like a lot of thing, things that people worry about, you know? It's yeah. why people get these door cameras mm-hmm. and why all of these things happen. So um, you had a package stolen? So what happened was I got a notification. I, I mean, because I keep orders open, honey. Char, ever since we've been quarantined in the house, I have been double clicking, okay? <laughs> but this was nothing. Stimulating the economy on your own okay? by yourself. But, right? but this was nothing that I ordered. I just got a UPS notification that, you know, I had a package coming the next day. I'm like, okay. Um, and then I, while we were recording the show, it showed that the package had been delivered. Now, my front door, typically, if they do it to my apartment front door, I get a courtesy knock. I feel like that's mm-hmm. normal. So when it says dropped off at front door, I never know if they typically mean my front door or the front door of the complex. Well, uh. I, I went out there during commercial And I didn't see anything. And so I got irritated because I've been living in my apartment for maybe four years now. And there's only been one time. It was in December. It was one Uh time I had a package stolen. So all it takes is one time, though, because (laughs) those feelings came rushing back. I saw that it was a four pound delivery and I didn't see anything. But it turns out. My resident director ended up finding the package for me. It was kind of hiding in the front because I text him. Uh-huh. I was going off because it, it was a, it was a trigger <laughs> for me. And in quarantine, sure. it feels like every emotion that I feel is amplified or heightened. So what, uh-huh. what might have been just like slight irritation six months ago is now like through the roof at any uh, inconvenience. Right, right. And so <laughs> I think everybody's kind of feeling that way with not only the protests and everything going on, but, co- you know, coronavirus. Yeah. You've been in your house for 104 days now. Or yeah. yeah. So so everyone's feeling some kind of way. But so you you text your uh, building manager. Yes. And they end up finding it. Yes, he found it and he delivered it to me, and it was <laughs> it was uh, flowers. So that was a oh, nice surprise. Flowers. Someone sent me flowers. Yeah. 
Uh huh. Who sent you flowers, Shar? Someone. <laughs> it's just an, it's a nice assort assortment. It's like random, like wild spring flowers and roses, and so they're chilling mm-hmm. right now. I'm looking at them right now on my living room table in a beautiful vase, and and that was nice. So that was the nice I'm, surprise. I'm also I'm also looking at Shar, listeners. On FaceTime, by the way, while we record this show, and she is grinning ear to ear. There's she's blushing a little bit, and I I think I I might have Shar speechless for the first no. time ever. Uh huh. It just was a nice Char's gesture. It was a nice surprise, and I wasn't expecting that. Like imagine the stress. Imagine being stressed because you think a package gets stolen, and then it's revealed that it's a package that you didn't order, and it's flowers. Like that was and nice. And it's flowers with a nice That's card. Cool. Oh, wait. And now see, she flashed the card too fast, so I couldn't see like what the name was on the card. Speaking of, by the way, Shar. Okay, so very interestingly, yesterday afternoon after the show, I um I took took a little breather. You know, I'm laying on the couch playing my my little video game on my phone and knock on the door and I open up the door and there's this gentleman holding a box that on the outside of it says Sherry's Berries. Mm. And I was like, wow, okay. And he was like, Happy birthday. <laughs> and I said, okay, thank you. And that was it. He just handed me the box. I love it. it Who was it wrapped. from? Was it from it someone? Wasn't. Well, so I'm like, oh, wow, someone, okay, I guess sent me Sherry's berries. Like this guy was just like a delivery guy or yeah. something, whatever. So I bring the berries in. They look gorgeous. They smell gorgeous, right? Chocolate covered. Oh, yes. Dipped strawberries. They're beautiful. And the card on the outside is like, thank you so much for being an incredible friend. Happy birthday. Like, I love you so much. Da, 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 whatever. And I can't read the name. Oh, no. Of the signature. Oh, no. <laughs> and Sherry's and berries was, are, that, that, that's a nice gift. I always hear them being advertised around nice. Mother's Day. Yeah, it's a very nice gift. They are not cheap. They are delicious. I had a couple yesterday, uh-huh. uh, except I don't know who they're from. So someone, <laughs> so, so someone had poor penmanship when they signed their name. Correct, correct. And I was like, I actually, I thought of you too. I was like, all right, Shar and I both have some delivery drama today because <laughs> now, so I'm gonna eat these strawberries, and I guess I kind of try to gotta figure out. Uh, from whom they are from. Yeah, because somebody's uh, so, going to be like, dang, you know, James didn't even text me. to. Th- I don't even know if he... To say thank yeah. you or that he got him or whatever. I know, exactly. Well, listen, um, we promised to have an excellent show for you today. We got some updates. We have a Karen update. We gave you a Karen story yesterday, but we have an update and it's going to be kind of a twist that you may not be expecting. Mm-hmm. Also, there's a big twist in the Bubba Wallace story going on. Um, and later on today, it is your wake up call Wednesday. We're going to talk to Dr. John Paul Higgins, and he's going to break some stuff down for us so we can all stay woke and we can all keep learning and moving forward in the fight for racial justice in the country. You do not want to miss this. Drop the subject. Stay tuned. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Some new controversy in the Bubba Wallace drama situation that is going on right now. Uh, We can't wait to tell you about it. But first... It's still Pride season. It's still June. It really is. Even though, Char, it doesn't really feel like Pride right now. Like, we, none of us have done, gotten to do exactly what we normally do for Pride season. But it is June, and it is still LGBTQAI plus Pride Month. And we want to know how you're celebrating. So head on over to wearechannelq.com, where you are going to upload a picture or a video or a both of, as Char calls it. What do you call it, Char? The paint your dog. 
The paint, <laughs> right, of your painted dog. <laughs> Yesterday, I was trying to paint your cat or dye your cat or yes, dye your dog or whatever, yes. and it just, it wasn't working. So now Shark calls this the paint your dog promo. <laughs> uh, so listen, if you're painting your dog in rainbow colors, that's great. We want to see about it. And, and pet, we do want to hear about safe it. safe paint. Yes, yes. Very, very pet, pet safe dye and pet safe paint. Although, is there such a thing? Anyway. I think so. Uh, we want to see those things. And when you do upload your picture of your pet safely painted dog, we will hook you up with a Channel Q curbside pride pack full of games, Channel Q uh, themed window signs, lawn signs, all kinds of pride goodies, a t-shirt, a Channel Q face mask, and the most fun part, an opportunity to be on the air right here on Channel Q to tell the world how you are celebrating your pride. At We Are Channel Q on social media. If you upload there, use the hashtag Channel Q Curbside Pride. Shar, whew, this Bubba Wallace thing. It's only right. Listen, we introduced the story and we also owe the listeners follow ups to these stories. It's only right. Um, this is turning quite controversial, to say the least, though. And I, I don't know. Uh, th- these types of conversations always fluctuate for me because I'm, I'm, I just have to zoom out. You know, my big thing is zooming out <laughs> before I, right. you know, because I form an opinion. We all form opinions, but we all also have the right to change our minds as as developments happen. So, what's going on, James? Well, and I think there's you, you, you bring something up that is really great. I think it's going to happen again later on in the show too. We're going to talk about another story that we brought to you, the listeners, yesterday that now. We need to zoom out a little bit. We gotta zoom we, out. We, we, we gotta, I like that, especially because we're living in this world of Zoom calls right now. But now we gotta zoom out a little bit. Yeah. And we, we need to take a, a closer look at everything that's going on because we all are can be quite so reactionary. However, you know, I think this story is interesting and I think it, it might start bringing up about trusting black people, right? I see this. I, I You have Bubba Wallace saying one thing very specifically. And some others saying something else. But uh, listeners, let's update you. So, you know, the Bubba Wallace is the NASCAR driver who's the he's the only black preeminent NASCAR driver. And, um, you know, he was he really called for NASCAR to remove the Confederate flag before. And uh, he, he really pushed for that last week. Well, apparently over the weekend, the Talladega was supposed to happen. It got rained out. But in his garage, there was hanging a noose. Yes. So NASCAR drivers responded in a really gracious, amazing move. They pushed his car to the front of pit row on Monday when the race was rescheduled uh, as in a show of solidarity and a show of support for him. And lots of the drivers were tweeting out and, you know, NASCAR as an organization responded right away and was like, we won't tolerate this. And they actually called in the FBI to do an investigation. Well, apparently 16 FBI agents came in to do an investigation that they wrapped up in about 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And they said that they have evidence that this is not a noose, but just a garage pull that has been there since last year since october of of 2019 and what i found Mm -hmm. uh, interesting about this what we should note is that garage pulls are in all of the garages right but it's very unusual you don't see them tied in a noose that's the thing and i feel like to to be fair to this conversation bubba is not the one who discovered this right he's been i watched uh his interview he's been doing a few interviews on cable news cnn the view um where this news was brought to him. He was in his mobile home because they have uh, the drivers secluded because of COVID um, in these type mobile home type things. And 
And I think it was the president of NASCAR that called him. And Bubba said initially that he thought he was in trouble. Like the tone of the the president's voice, he thought like, uh, did I say something in an interview? Because, you know, he's been leading the Black Lives Matter charge. He got the Confederate flag removed. And Mm -hmm. so uh, the president came to his mobile home face to face with tears in his eyes, tears streaming down his face about this noose that was discovered. So it was a mixture of Bubba's team and then like I said the president stepping in so I feel like that should be noted because it's not like Bubba saw this and quote unquote ran with it he's operating off of what people told him Uh, absolutely we actually have a little bit of a clip of one of those interviews Bubba was on with Don Lemon uh, last night discussing uh, what what happened have you seen ropes like that hanging from garages Um, is that is that typical Don, the, the, the image that I have and I have seen of, of what was hanging in my garage is not a uh, it's not a garage pool. Um, I've uh, I've been racing all my life. I've, we've, we've raced out of hundreds of garages that uh, never had garage pools like that. So people that want to call it a garage pool and put out old videos and photos of, of, of knots being um, in, uh, in 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 their as their evidence. Go ahead, but. From the evidence that we have, um, that I have, uh, it's a straight-up noose. The FBI has stated it was a noose over and over again. NASCAR leadership has stated that it was a noose. I can- so to your point, Shar, you know, he didn't actually physically see it himself, but he had FBI individuals, he had the president of NASCAR, et cetera, saying this. So very interesting. And he's getting a lot of pushback on Twitter, A lot, which is unfair. It's, it's misdirected yeah, it is pushback as well. Yep, it, it certainly is. So uh, we will certainly keep you updated on that. Uh, more to come on Drop the Subject. Stay tuned. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. You are listening to Drop the Subject on Channel Q. Ooh. That's my, you like that It show? sounds therapeutic. Okay. You should do a, a tape. Well, not a tape. That's Thank outdated. You. So <laughs> <laughs> I should do a mixtape of my own voice. Right? No, it, it sounds <laughs> no. therapeutic. Yeah, an audio well, book or you. something. That's, it's my ASMR voice. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to lull you to sleep, though, or relax you too much while you're listening to Drop the Subject. It is James Q. Simmons on Channel Q. I'm going to say that as much as I can while I'm here. And I am joined by the lovely, the talented, the witty, the intelligent, the oh-so-fun Char Jossel. Thank you. All week long, Char, it is a pleasure to host with you. And we decided this week that we were just going to kick Allie out of the studio. We're like, bye, Allie. We locked her out. She's banging on the door. She she is. She's actually on the outside of the door banging right now, trying to get in. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Allie is fine. She's doing great. She just took the week off. She's kind of working on another project that she needed to take the week off for. You can learn more about it if you check her out at your Allie Johnson on Twitter. You can always check us out, of course, at DTS Show all over the social media. And when you do that, when you go on social media and when you check us out, Char, they're watching always big brother big tech yeah i know we're living in scary times i like to just not think about it that's why i just you know <laughs> i accept cookies and i do all that stuff online do you now. you just like blindly yeah well sometimes it, de- it it actually depends on the presentation if your cookie notification is like blaring with like red exclamation marks i'll probably just find another way to view content mm. or do whatever, but if it's in a subtle way in the corner type thing, or or if I can keep <laughs> scrolling without having to accept anything, that is my favorite. Like if, right, if I can just right, get around right. 
Uh-huh. Well, at least I'm glad to know now that, you know, because it was actually an EU ruling that required that websites let us know that they are, you know, dropping cookies on our, you know, on our IP addresses and or however that works. And I, I, I'm glad that they do that. I'm glad that they have to do that. But what this should clue to everyone every time this ha- is happening is that they are tracking you. They are following you. There is a reason why you can be sitting outside having a conversation with someone about all bird shoes, right? Which I love, by the way. And then you go online an hour later and there's an advertisement for all bird shoes. They are listening. They know that we are there. Now, interestingly, we were just talking about Allie. Allie has a very specific opinion about this. She actually doesn't care at all. She says, follow me, track me, do whatever you want, use all my data. I don't really care. But interestingly, Andrew Yang... It makes me uncomfortable. Doesn't it? To a degree, yeah, it does. I'm not going to even lie. Like, yeah, it does. It just seems... It's too much for me. It, it just seems mm-hmm. so um, invasive. <laughs> yep. I, I 100% agree. I don't listen. I'm out. I mean, I'm out there on social media. I, I do. We do media every day. My voice is out there every day. We, we're online doing research. We're online doing all these different things. I know that that big brother knows way more about me than I probably realize that they know. about yeah. me. But it still makes me uncomfortable, especially Shana. with those. With what you. are they called? Like the fake deeps or the deep fakes, how they can manipulate video now to make it look like, what? yeah, look, we'll talk on commercial, but go ahead with the story. <laughs> well, I think the listeners want to know too what about what so I'm just going to tell them to can... look it up and you'll see. Look, okay. Uh-oh, cuz well, cuz we did some something about the deep web a couple of weeks ago, the dark web, and Jesse and Allie scared me cuz they were like buying tigers and yeah, body parts yeah. and stuff. Anyway, but Andrew Yang of former presidential candidacy fame and uh, he's a super rich dude who also now is a talking head pundit on CNN. He is now advocating for us to get paid for our own data when companies use us. Take a listen to this uh, new project that he has launched just this week called the Data Dividend Project. We believe that if companies want to profit off of something you own, you should get a slice of that money. But they won't give it up without a fight. Alone, we are no match for big tech. But together, we are stronger than they could ever imagine. So he wants you to go to his website, sign up, join this initiative where if we, you know, are in mass, talk about how we want to get a share of what happens, because this is very true. It's very transparent if you just look for it. So when you're on platforms like Facebook, Instagram, wherever, anything that yeah. you sign up for, you give your email address, et cetera. Most of the time, that information about you gets sold to companies, to marketing firms, to consumer products, goods firms, other like sort of intermediary tech firms. Um, my only concern. And they make a lot of money. Yeah, my only concern with this is if if this does go through, if, if this gets r- truly entertained um then we they may start charging us to use social media and i don't know how i feel about that even though i depend on social media as a freelancer for heightened visibility and to get my articles and my videos and things that i i'm a part of i depend on social media to get that out there i don't know how i feel about paying to use social media Oh, no, I don't think most people would want to pay for social media either. I think I think a lot of people are are like, yep, take it, take a little bit of my data just as long as I don't have to come out of pocket yeah. to you know, go on Facebook or Instagram. So it's a very, very interesting thought process. We want to know what you think about it at DTS show on Instagram, uh, well, all over social as well. And um, remember that 
autonomous zone in Seattle without any police. Well, that's going to change real quick. We're talking about it next. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. It's Friday and I'm ready to sing. Wait, it's not Friday. It's Wednesday. It's definitely not Friday. It's definitely not Friday, and I definitely don't sound like Aaliyah, do I? No, you don't. <laughs> as much as I try, I'm sure everyone, the the, the ratings just dropped in that five <laughs> seconds that I sang. Everyone's like, who is this singing? I am James Simmons. That is Shar Jossel. And you are celebrating Pride because it's June. Even if you're just like reading a book for Pride, right? That would be an excellent thing. Even if it's watching Disclosure, yes. the documentary on Netflix. We're going to talk to Travel Anderson, who is in the documentary and has a lot to say about our representation of trans individuals in media and movies and television over the last hundred years and uh, where the movement is now. So we're going to talk to Travel Anderson about that later on. But so if you're watching that documentary, if you're reading a book, whatever you are doing, we want to know about it at wearechannelq.com. Send us a picture. Send us a video. Whatever you want. And when you do, we're going to hook you up with a Channel Q curbside pride pack. Games and t-shirts and a Channel Q face mask. That's the thing I'm most excited about, although I don't think I get one of these things. There's lawn (laughs) signs and... Nope, I don't. They're like, James, sorry, you don't get this. Um, Because folks are uploading their things and we want to know how you are celebrating Pride. So please uh, head on over either to our social media at We Are Channel Q and you can send us a video or picture or tag us there. Use the hashtag Channel Q Curbside Pride or upload your picture or video at WeAreChannelQ.com. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Char, we talked about... This autonomous zone uh, in Seattle, and it's made you know global headlines. It's it was previously known as the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone or CHAZ. It is now being called the Capitol Hill Organized Protest or CHOP. Okay, I'm I don't loving, know why they didn't like CHAZ. I'm loving these acronyms. Right, they're super cute. Well, Mayor Jenny Durkin uh, of Seattle announced Monday evening that following a weekend where there was some violence in the CHOP, in that autonomous zone, where that actually resulted in three shootings, one of them fatal, unfortunately, uh, that it, protesters would be encouraged to move out of the area and that the Seattle Police Department would return to its previously abandoned East Precinct building. But she said they will do so peacefully and in the near future. Whatever that means. Yeah, that can mean a a number of different things. And my only hope is that it is done peacefully if this is the next move. Um, My only side eye to her was when she said, you know, it's time for basically she essentially said it's time for y'all to go home. And I people are still protesting because justice still has not been seen for a number, a host of different people, you know, George Floyd included. Um, So. I I totally understand that. But I should mention on top of those three shootings that happened in this zone, there have also been reports of rape, arson and property destruction, according to um, the Seattle police chief, Carmen Best. So it's a it's a tug of war. It's a tug of war for sure. But Mm -hmm. uh, it seems like some order should be brought. I don't know what type of system that they've been working on, but it seems like things have been. How long has this been going on for them? Like a month? It was basically, well, not quite. It was basically set up on on June 8th is when they sort of have a a start date. Protests were happening there before, but they officially stuck their claim, staked their claim, however you say that, on June 8th. Uh, and and it, it on the whole has been peaceful. On the whole, it has been very um, appropriate. Right, there have right. been some things that have gone on there, but essentially, which is saying, normal. I should state as normal. Yeah. It's impossible to have, you know, a utopia 
did, especially when you're dealing with human beings, you know? Correct. Yeah. And human beings who are very passionate and very fired up about something and very angry for 401 years of systemic racial oppression, right? Like there's, there's a lot that people, you know, are expecting from this. And we are at a moment in history where we can't just be like, okay, well, we're here. We had a little party for a couple of weeks and now we go back home and go back about everything like it was. So I am encouraged that the the police are not allowed to use tear gas and use aggressive measures anymore. Um, They basically, you know, one police officer who spoke with Newsweek on the condition of anonymity said, we're no longer allowed to use things like tear gas or pepper spray. The only thing that we can use is our sidearms and our batons. Okay, so still the wrong way of thinking. But that officer goes on to say, and we lose if we use force. It's going to look ugly. It will. So don't. Don't use force. Right, right. Like, and I should state that they're hanging, like the, these protests are also happening because they want the Seattle Police Department to be defunded by half of, like they want the Yeah, by the funds. Like 50%. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that needs to be explored as well because there, there needs to be more mental health services. There needs to be, um, these funds can be redistributed in different facets of the city, for sure. Exactly, which is exactly what the uh, what the protesters in the CHOP or CHAZ or whatever you want to call it are calling for. So this could be a really interesting situation. We will continue to watch it as it unfolds. However, speaking of systemic racial injustices and not letting this just be a one-time thing that was de jour and cute and virtue signaling, but we actually really want to do our part to continue the conversation to make real change. And we are doing that with Dr. John Paul Higgins. You do not want to miss this conversation. It is your weekly wake-up call coming up next, a new segment, and I promise you're going to love it. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Welcome back to Drop the Subject. It is James Q. Simmons, joined all week this week by Shar Joselle. We are so thankful for that. And as Shar said yesterday, you're welcome. <laughs> We're very glad that Shar is here. And, you know, we had such incredible response a couple of weeks ago from you, the listeners, for a fantastic conversation we had with Dr. John Paul Higgins. And that conversation was specifically around changing how we educate about Black history, how we, you know, increase the influence of Black educators, and particularly how we about talk about racism in the educational institution, you know, sort of like top-down, elementary school to doctoral-level education, all of that. Well, we had such amazing feedback from that conversation from y'all that We actually wanted to pair that conversation and Dr. John with an initiative that we want to do here on Drop the Subject, which is to continue the conversation. We don't want our discussion of systemic racism in policing. And now what is has expanded into an overall larger conversation about systemic racial inequalities uh, globally to just be a flash in the pan. We don't want it to just be a couple of weeks of protests. And then we forget about the conversation. So we are going to start bringing this conversation back more often. And it is Wednesday, and we're going to call it the Wednesday wake-up call today, at least. And it is your Wednesday wake-up call with none other than Dr. John Paul Higgins. Welcome back, Dr. John. Yay! Thank you so much for having me back. I'm so happy to be here. We are incredibly thrilled to have you here as well. And... So each week, we're you know we're going to kind of tackle a little bit of a conversation, and these are going to be, I think, you know, I had the opportunity earlier in the week 
to speak with some folks from uh, Crucial Conversations Global uh, Foundation and about these four rules about having these crucial conversations and our courageous conversations. And I think one of the one of those rules is going to be important for us here to remember. And I think that rule is that we have to be okay with the discomfort. And one of the other rules with that is to know that we're going for understanding, not solution, right? We're mm-hmm. not going to solve the world's problems in these conversations, but we are sort of reaching towards a level of understanding. And Dr. John, I'm wondering if you can speak to something that comes up a lot in these conversations, particularly now that we're all having intimate conversations with one-on-one with people is, mm. well, but I have a police officer in my family and they're a good person. Like, mm-hmm. like, how, you know, how do we sort of begin to discuss the, those conversations in a, in a meaningful way in this broader picture? Yeah. So, you know, I think it's important for us to understand. And I think that that's the one thing that I've always tried to get folks to kind of sit with me with, right, like around these conversations is you have to look at the historic standpoint of where we are. Like we didn't get here overnight. And I keep telling individuals that like a lot of this is that systems that have. So, so I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to move forward with the thought that I have. The first thing that I wanted to note, something that uh, Eric Degen said to me once that I thought was very, very interesting around this conversation is how whiteness and white privilege is invisible on purpose. Um, and I think about this mm. concept when we start thinking about policing, how policing has manifested and has changed over you know the centuries, right? We know that policing came out of slavery. We, we know that policing was a way to use to keep slaves in place. And ultimately, I think that's what, I mean, as much as we just celebrated Juneteenth, the frustration is, is that there were two years of Black people being policed <laughs> and, and not being given that space to be able to be free. And so when we think about where we are now and the conversation around, well, I have a police in my family and they're good people, it's not about the person who's the police that's the problem. It's about the system mm-hmm. that policing has done to black and brown and marginalized people as a whole. And so that's the thing I think people miss in this conversation. Well, my aunt's a cop. Okay, fantastic. Your aunt could be a great person outside of her job. That's fantastic. But if her job is causing a group of people or a subsidiary part of people in the world a a larger problem, then that's where the issue lies. And so I think that that's the thing we have to get comfortable with is knowing outside of even just policing, knowing that we have a lot of people around us who are a part of the systems that keep us oppressed and keep us hurt. If that, if that's the, the the bigger part that we want to focus on. And even just to hop in and, and just to piggyback off of that point, I think it's fascinating when people do, because I'm someone who has law enforcement in my family and but what, what what's also missed in this conversation is it is the point of complicity, and so it's like if you I've we've seen this happen before when the good cops and I'm using air quotes say something or speak up they end up being ostracized or lose their job or now here comes the police union for everything that they have you know so a lot of of the quote unquote good cops choose to stay silent which inherently then makes them bad cops in my opinion mm-hmm. because just like what you were saying Dr. Higgins is how it contributes to these interlocking systems of of, of oppression it's really it's really pretty fascinating how that, you know, I almost make this parallel and I don't mean to bring in another layer to this to make it too c- complex, but this layer of like, well, I know a good cop. That person is good. Therefore, cops are good. I'm and I'm absolved of this. Fine. Mm-hmm. I'm married to a black man and I'm a white woman. 
I mean, or my best friend is blacks and I'm a mm-hmm. white person. So therefore mm-hmm. I'm absolved of fighting the fight. Uh, I'm not complicit because my best friend is black. My husband's black. My, you know, my partner's black, whatever. And so mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's a similar sort of narrative there that, that because it's so uncomfortable for so many white people to acknowledge that there is a system that very directly and intentionally ben- has benefited them for years and continues to and does not very intentionally benefit black folks and people of color. Yep. yep. All of these things are related. All of the things that you just mentioned, I look at them as being related. They're all systems of oppression and all a symptom of something bigger. White patriarchy, white supremacy. Go ahead, Dr. Higgins. It looked like you wanted to say something. Well, I'm going to actually, I'm going to jump in right there. I want you to hold that thought, Dr. Higgins, because we have to go to a break. (laughs) I am sorry. I have to be the one. It's my job this week. You know, usually Allie has to put down the hammer. She always has to be the one to like interrupt the the, the conversation, but now it's my job to do it this week. We have more because I think think what's important now is like sort of this next step, right? Like how do we then start to have these conversations with people who are like, well, my aunt is a cop. That's great, but. So we're going to have more on that, more with Shar Joselle and Dr. John Paul Higgins when we get back. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Welcome back to Drop the Subject. We are continuing our Wednesday wake-up call, is at least what we're going to call it right now, with Dr. John Paul Higgins. And Shar mm-hmm. Joselle is with me again. And we're having this really, really fascinating conversation that is a little bit uncomfortable, of course, about... When individuals have are related to police officers or they have a friend who's a police officer and when they say, well, you know, my aunt is a cop and she's a good person. Okay, great. It it detracts from the discussion about systemic racism in policing, systemic racism in larger society. And so we kind of discussed that in the first break. But I think now, Dr. John, if we can sort of move towards like, how do we navigate those conversations and have them be fruitful with individuals who might be the person saying, my aunt is a cop and she's a good person. She's not racist. Well, I mean, I think the first question to ask is that most of the time when I get these conversations or when I have folks say this to me, I have to think about how oftentimes they don't come from other Black people who say this. Um, Most of the time when I get that comment, it's not from Black people who say, well, I have a Black cousin or a Black uncle or aunt who is a police officer. Most of the times it's it's white individuals who make that comment to me. Like, well, you can't say that all police officers are bad because I have family members that are bad. And I'm going, well, are you with your uncle and your aunts while they're on the force too? Are you, are you with them seeing what they're actually doing? How do you know that they're a good cop? And so I think that that's the thing, like, you know, I ultimately don't want to paint this very large picture with a very large canvas, you know, with a, a very large brush that, you know, every person who's a police officer is a bad person. Okay, no, they may not be a bad person. However, like I said at the beginning of this talk, we have to think about the ways in which what they do or what they don't do. And I think you make a really great point, Dr. You know, Simmons. When we say what they don't do, that's the conversation we need to be having a larger piece about. And I think Shar hit the nail on the head with that too. It's this idea of knowing that there are so many, specifically in poor areas, in areas where Black people are policed from the time that they start elementary school, right? There are schools and places where policing begins at a very early part of a person's life. When we start looking at that system, when we start looking at the ways that it's upheld and it is pushed onto us in terms of oppression, I think that's the conversations we need to have. How can we not necessarily, I mean, I know there are people who want to eradicate police altogether. 
fine. But for myself, I'm thinking, how can we look at it from the idea of what harm are police doing to Black people and how Black people are always the ones who ultimately, I would say, they're hurt the most by what happens in terms of police brutality. So Mm -hmm. I have to say that I agree with with those points that you made. And I, I want to reemphasize the earlier point of we're not painting this broad picture, but it is literally a conversation because I know that people listening are going to walk away from this conversation, interpreting things how they interpret it. But I want to make it clear that it is a larger conversation about systemic oppression, not mm-hmm. your individual relative or what have you. Mm-hmm. I think that's a that's it. It's a very fascinating point, Shar and, and Dr. John, that you both make. And I think it is important that we know that there is a difference and that people acknowledge that that difference happens between an individual who is part of a system mm-hmm. and the system and that we have those conversations in different ways. However, I, I think, and I'll, I'll jump out a little bit here and be a little bit more of the bad guy, if you will. And I don't think it's a bad guy. It's just an uncomfortable topic to talk about. when. People say, well, it's, an, it's a conversation on an individual basis. That cop is good. Most cops are good. It is, I feel like, an, a willful ignorance mm-hmm. of discussing the actual issue because mm-hmm. the actual issue is really uncomfortable. And the actual yeah. issue is something that we don't want to talk about. And so I sometimes find navigating those conversations really, really difficult because it's and Dr. Dr. John, I think we talked about this before a couple of weeks ago. Multiple truths can exist simultaneously. Oh, yeah. And that's, people that's have a exactly really hard it. time with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say uh, real quick before we wrap up, I think it is important to understand that line in, in terms of policing and just ultimately. I, I want to challenge and ask people to think about who are the ones that are mostly affected by policing. Period. Like that's the that's what this conversation really is about. Who are the ones that ultimately get affected by it, and how are how are we going to change that? And how our families are not really connected to the like the family conversation is not really connected to that that line that's there. Right. Absolutely. You know, I, I've I'm always struck by the fact that. Black folks make up about 13% of the population, although I have a feeling that may change a little bit once the census is over. And yet Black people are killed three times as much as any other racial ethnic demographic in the United States. And we are the most incarcerated by, by far. far. There, There is an issue with that. So again, we don't get to put a nice tidy bow on this, but that's part of it, right? We all are getting comfortable being uncomfortable. We're all getting comfortable having these difficult conversations and we will continue this. Um, we are so lucky and blessed and fortunate and honored, Dr. John, to have you here and have this discussion with you and Shar today as well. And we look forward to having you back next week. All right. See you next week. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. One of my favorite things in the world I am learning, Shar, is when uh, Dr. John gets rolling, right? Right. Yeah. (laughs) Dr. John just gets talking and breaking it down. And uh, we really appreciate that conversation so much. We are going to do that. Allie Johnson will be back next week. Uh, She's just gone for the week working on a project, but all is good with her. And we will continue these conversations on a weekly basis with Dr. John Paul. We're really looking forward to that, your weekly wake-up call. Now, it is time, Char Joselle, for you to make three of the hardest decisions of your life. Mm, mm, mm. And I'm ready, too. Are you ready? All right. It is time for News It or Lose It. As you heard, you have your bell. I have three stories. You have three decisions to make. Story number one. 
What is no longer in a name? Rhode Island official docks shed racially loaded moniker. Now push for Rhode Island to change its name. Oh, we can use that. Okay. Ding. Very good. Uh, here we go. Stonewall Inn launches crowdfunder to avoid shuttering. Oh, news that it's LGBT. It's it's Pride Month and and Stonewall. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And finally, Britney Spears releases LGBTQ Pride Month method message. I love you so much. It hurts. I actually already saw this because it went. It did viral numbers uh-huh. on social media. So we're gonna lose this one. We're gonna lose that one. All yeah. right. So everyone listening, just go to Britney Spears Instagram or just Google Britney Spears Pride Month message or whatever. Is she? She's she's crazy. She, <laughs> but you know what? We still love Britney. We do. We do the love, love Britney. The love for Britney has never changed over here. <laughs> I know. I just love how she can say because she doesn't even really say. She says something kind of that's not like totally appropriate in the message. But we're all like, oh, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's Britney. Britney. You know, it's fine. <laughs> They're just like, like let her get away with it. So listen, uh, Rhode Island, the official name of the smallest U.S. state, is. Rhode Island and Providence Plantations. Did you know that? That that is the official name of Rhode Island? I never knew that. I thought it was just Rhode Island. Yeah, no, it's Rhode Island and Providence Plantations. That's the actual official name of the U.S.'s smallest state. And some residents have been trying for about 30 years to get the phrase and Providence Plantations dropped from the official name i never learned this in school james like i'm floored right now i don't know if you can get into my facial expression but i never (laughs) knew this i know isn't this something right i i when i saw this story and started doing a little research for news that i was like i i remember this only because i'm like a geography nerd yeah so i really dig like weird geography trivia stuff like that like i really dig it so this like i'm that guy that you want on your trivial pursuit team because i know a whole bunch of dumb stuff that should not be filling up my brain. Yes, I know. I just com- wrote my dissertation and completed my doctorate or whatever, and I'm smart in certain ways, but I'm really dumb about a lot of stuff, except for when it comes to like geography trivia. So I uh, love it. Isn't that something? So Rhode Island and Providence Plantations. So obviously with everything going on, um, there are there's a big push for this. They've had uh, open uh, meetings, community meetings for uh, residents of Rhode Island to talk about how they feel about wanting to change uh, the actual name. Um, so it, it's a very, very interesting story that goes really into how it actually got that name uh, done by NPR as well. So there's no official um, there's no official push like an official vote to change the name yet but that's what people are calling for that there should be legislation to actually change the name so another um very interesting part of this uh protest and the push i think it should be changed for the record i think it should just be rhode island yeah i don't i don't know i don't understand why it's not i mean no one like you said no one knew that it was and providence plantations as well right so why don't we we've been having a lot of these conversations because i saw something being proposed about new york maybe like being changed it's it's a lot going on because it's like if we're Uh going to if we're going to tear some of it down do we tear all of it down because Mm -hmm. you know fundamentally american history is rooted in a lot of oppression and racism and slavery and genocide and genocide just get right to it yeah and there was a whole bunch of people here already and 
folks. Oh, we didn't. We didn't come out. in here. We were brought in. We didn't. Do it, <laughs> yeah, I was about right. to we say. Were I <laughs> we were brought. Uh, so listen, the Stonewall Inn, which is the most famous LGBTQ bar in the world, has had to launch a crowdfunding campaign to help it survive, which is so sad in the middle of Pride Month. So if you're looking for something to do for Pride Month, maybe not only should you upload your picture or video at wearechannelq.com, but you maybe should also donate a little bit of money to help keep this historic and pay homage because there would not yeah. be pride without the Stonewall Uprising of 1969. So do exactly. both if you can, <laughs> if you can open your purse and and donate, do that. But also, you know, of course, still hashtag paint your dog. That's what I'm calling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you made me choke. Hashtag paint your dog. So Stonewall, the Stonewall did launch its own. It's on GoFundMe if you want to know specifically where you can go help. Um, uh, raise money for them. They've had to actually have a couple of different fundraisers uh, throughout COVID because they just are trying to do what so many different gay bars and different all bars and restaurants establishments are trying to do to stay open um, in particular. So if you have it in your heart and you have it in your pocketbook, please go and donate to uh, the Stonewall Inn. We have an update on the latest Karen. Quite a twist. You do not want to miss this. Stay tuned. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Get your hashtag game together. Drop the subject, listeners. Get it together. Hashtag Channel Q curbside pride. That is the hashtag you are using when you go to our social medias, which are at We Are Channel Q. For the whole radio station, when you upload a picture or a video, or you can upload your painted dog. Is that what you call it, Char? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> sure, James. Sure. Sure, sure. That's what it is. When you upload your picture or however you are celebrating Pride, we want to know. WeAreChannelQ.com is where you can upload that if you want to, or you can show us on social media at WeAreChannelQ using the hashtag ChannelQ Curbside Pride. And when you do, we're going to hook you up, like literally drop this off at your curbside. It is the Channel Q Curbside Pride Pack. Channel Q t-shirt, Channel Q face mask, lawn signs, window signs. There's still pride left. There's still six, 30 days in June, right? Six days of pride left for you to celebrate. And we want to know how you're doing it. So hook us up over there, please. We want to know. And you could potentially have a chance to be on air here on Channel Q to let us know how you're celebrating that pride. Now, one of the things that we are big about here on Drop the Subject is real honest forthright conversations. We've had some of those already today, some of those already this week. Uh, Char, we definitely, I know Will, we have an interview coming up with uh, Travel Anderson later on in the one o'clock hour Pacific time, uh, or later on, if you're listening to the podcast about the new Disclosure documentary uh, that's on Netflix, and that will be a fantastic conversation, I'm sure. But when we report things that change, that maybe we learned some new facts that aren't necessarily the facts we thought we knew before, Char. We bring that back to you and we let you know. And we reported on a Karen like we like to do on this show. We reported on a Karen yesterday. And now the story might be a little suspect. Yes, I do want to emphasize that, like I said at the top of the show... As details come, as these stories develop, sometimes there's some twists and turns within thought as well. So we're we're forming opinions, but not everything is as concrete as they may seem. So Uh there seems to be there was some conversation online because there's a little doubt around this Karen story, which I should note that James and I both kind of touched on yesterday as far as 
uh, the, this young man following Karen home, which was mm. unusual. That was the most unusual thing about this story. But it, it felt like an admission of guilt to me because when Karen was confronted, her knee-jerk reaction, her first response was that to scream at the top of the, her lungs that she has a black husband. So that's what made the story make sense to me. But there's some doubt because uh, the Twitter user um, whose name is why people underscore hate and it's W-Y-P-I-P-O underscore H number eight. And Mm. it turns out that this user has a history of kind of making these inflammatory tweets. And I say that they're inflammatory because it's almost like, what are the odds? Like you're being called. Like, what are the odds? You're, and, it, and it's not to say that these things, these instances, these tweets are impossible. But what are the odds that you're being called like flat out the N word three times a month? Um, and, and it's always these sensationalized stories. That's what I should add to context for this conversation. Everything's so sensational. So he dropped the Karen video where he followed this woman home and got in her face. And then there was merch available which is another red flag. And he's selling shirts. Well, he was selling shirts that read, keep that same energy, Karen. Now, since then, because he violated uh, Twitter's media policy, they have taken down his page. I mean, it's still accessible. You can still go to it. And there's still tweets there. But uh, I don't, maybe this is just a temporary suspension. But all Mm -hmm. I have to say is something is not looking as clear cut as it looked yesterday for me. I'm definitely side-eyeing. There's I, I'm definitely side eyeing, too. And unfortunately, you know, it's it's this is what's getting the attention, of course, right now, because now this guy and his tweets are actually twen- trending on like alt right Twitter. Oh, of course. Like, they, they love Twitter. things like this. Yeah, they, right. They love it. And they're like, oh, look at the crazy left and look at all the, you know, socialists and Antifa. He's an Antifa plant and all this kind of stuff is going on. And, you know, it's. Eh, there are definitely people out there who are going to go to extreme measures to try to prove a point, and that sometimes is wrong, right? Some Most times, because, because right. now what's going to happen is in direct retaliation, people are going to start discrediting real things that happen. Not when to say real. that this wasn't real, because like I said, we don't know what the development will be tomorrow. Right. But people, right. are definitely it, it going to, people are definitely going to use instances like this as fuel. This will certainly be fuel to discredit real instances of Karens and of racism, whether it be overt or covert. Yep, that that's exactly right. Couldn't have said it better myself, Shar. So we uh, we will bring you more updates as we learn about this, and of course we will bring you any more like uh, Karens <laughs> when they happen, because for sure they will. Drop the subject returns. Drop the subject. The new channel Q. It is lunchtime for most folks who are listening to this live, or maybe you are eating while you are listening to this on the podcast, which if you miss anything, you can always go back and download us as a podcast. We give you an hour and a half of content every day as a podcast. I mean, that is phenomenal. And it is always so lovely. And it is always normally Allie Johnson, who is not here right now. She is off uh, this week doing something terribly fun, although I don't know what could be any more fun than hosting this show with either of us, Shar Jassel. Uh, But Ali is doing well. She's fine. She'll be back next week. Who is not doing fine? I feel like Baltimore is forever in the news about something Baltimore, Baltimore, Baltimore. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, if you if you haven't heard, there's another a situation going on in Baltimore right now. There's a video that was posted 
on uh, social media yesterday showing a black woman and her son being denied service at Uzo Bay in Baltimore's Harbor East neighborhood because of how the boy was dressed. While a white child dressed almost exactly the same. No, they were they were in the exact same attire in different colors. That's the way I just saw different it. colors. Yeah. They're both in they t-shirts were, and athletic shorts with sneakers. Athletic shorts with tennis yeah. shoes. Right, exactly. Um, and so this video went viral very, very, very quickly um, for good reason. And uh, here's we have a little bit of the actual raw video, and it's 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 kind of disheartening. Um, but but take a listen to this. Someone's already explained it to you. Okay, tell it to me again. You telling me we cannot eat here? So un- unfortunately, we do have a dress code. Um, if you you know if you have some non-athletic shorts, but that white kid out there can't eat here with his tennis shoes on and his athletic shirt. So I'm going to set the scene for you. We are at the the host stand. Mm-hmm. At what looks like a nice restaurant, kind of like mm, almost t- white tablecloth-y, not super fancy, but a nice restaurant. And, and it's daytime, the, so it's not dinner hours. This is very lunchtime. Right. It's like lunchtime. It's casual, whatever. And there is a woman standing there. You don't see her because she's holding the phone. There is a white host who's got his N95 mask on and he's, you know, gloves and whatever. And he's like, we can't seat you because of your son. She pans to her son. He's wearing a Jordan t-shirt, basketball shorts. And tennis shoes. And he says, well, we can't come in because your son has a dress code and they are black. She literally pans outside and there is a white kid about the same age as her son wearing a basketball t-shirt and basketball shorts that are blue Mm -hmm. and tennis shoes. And she literally is like, wait, so their family, the white family is wrapping up their meal like they've paid. They're they're on the outside dining area. And it's like, wait a minute. Hard stop. Hard pause. Hard, hard pause. We allow tennis shoes, but not not athletic shorts and t-shirts. He has one. You you telling me that's not an athletic shirt? Not that one. But you telling me that little boy who just ate here does not have one an athletic shirt? I'm sorry. I would love, I would love for you to be able to come back and eat here. So you telling me my son can't eat here because he has athletic stuff? No, no, just the shorts. I just, it is it is part of our dress code. We try to. So it's it. only his shorts. Only the shorts can't be athletic. The shorts and the t-shirt. Yes. But the little boy has on an athletic. T- the host, by the way, is crazy uncomfortable. Right? Well, she's he calling like, him out on policy, and because she mm-hmm. every she knows that this is a load of crap. So she's interrogating yep. and getting to the bottom of this. You know, black women I, being divine, you know, the usual. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and I love that she is so persistent about it. But he does the thing that triggers oh a lot of people. He does the thing. It's coming. Hold on. Little white kid that just sat out there had on an athletic, athletic tennis shoes and an athletic shirt. I, I understand that you're upset. No, it's not that I'm upset. The little boy... Ooh, baby. Every time I, I understand that you're upset. James, literally every time I hear that, it feels like someone poured ice down my back. What in the mm. microaggression? What in the, like, I cannot deal with this. I truly cannot. I, you see, I'm having an emotional reaction to this because uh-huh. Uh-huh. what we're not about to do is deflect and make me seem like I'm the irate, angry black woman because I'm calling you out on your nonsense policy that literally makes no sense because there's a white kid 15 feet away from us in the exact same attire as my son. And, and then to say, I'm sorry, you're upset or what, whatever it is that he said, that that is the most gaslighty 
uh-huh. sentence that you could say to someone, especially uh-huh. at a time like this, like in a, in a situation like this, like, oh my gosh. And it's, isn't it something that there's, you know, it's not an acknowledgement. You know, I feel like there's so many ways that, I mean, this just continues to go on. And then the video just yeah, ends, by the yeah. way. Like, I don't, there's, we there we don't have full on necessary resolution for that particular situation. We do have an update from the restaurant, which we'll get to in a moment. But, but I, honestly, I feel like there's a way that this guy could have handled this differently. He could have been like, you know what, ma'am? First of all, was he really going to lose his job if he let this no. mother and son go sit at a table and eat? Right. So he could have just been like, okay, fine, go sit over here. He also could have been like, you know what? Thank you for drawing attention to that. I really appreciate that. My apologies. Like, you're right. There's a white kid over there dressed just like your Here's son. Your table. And I was gonna deny I was gonna deny you and your son. That's that's really messed up, but we really appreciate you being here with your business and thank you for calling us on this. What table would you like? Here's your table. Like and, it's really and, and, and appetizers really on me. Appetizers on you're me. Right. And as a host, you get to do that. I have worked in restaurants. If you screw something up, which I have done plenty of times working on res- at restaurants, I'm like, yeah, let me get your appetizer dessert. Let me get this first drink. Like, whatever. There's so many ways he could have handled this. And this this is the thing we talk about when there are microaggressions that happen every day, mm-hmm. all the time. Constantly. And then you wonder why people get so upset. You wonder why people are still occupying Seattle, right? Right, Weeks later. You wonder why these things are still going on. And you wonder why we keep needing to have these conversations like we did with Dr. John Paul earlier and that we're going to keep having these conversations until we make real change. And Shar, speaking of real change, I guess there's an update from the the restaurant, right? Yes. So what basically happened is the restaurant has fired the manager and they are, um, the dress code has been changed to exclude any requirements for children 12 years or younger. And the restaurant plans to form an advisory board to address corporate social responsibility. I just hope some, some black folks and some minorities with some sense are around the, the table. You know, people are forming these advisory boards and it's still the same white faces having the conversations. And so, right. uh, yeah, it's just a call of action to do better. Um, yep. And it serves it, it serves him right. It serves him right and whoever else was involved for them to lose. I'm not a fan of people losing their jobs, but this was a, this was an example of being excessive and extra for no reason. Just just Word. just Couldn't. to do it, you know. Yep. Yep. Couldn't have said it any better. Thanks, Shar. Gay and May is coming up next. We'll be right back. Drop the subject. The new channel Q. Welcome back to Drop the Subject on the new channel Q. How long do you think we're going to say that, Jesse? You know, we're the new channel Q, but we've been the new channel Q since October of 2018. So are we still new? I don't know. Listeners, when you go online to wearechannelq.com and you upload your picture or your video of what you are doing for Pride... Please let us know if you think we're the new Channel Q. I think it just has a nice flow to it, a nice ring to it. Like, we can be new as long as... It does. Yeah, thank you, Shar. We can be new as long as we want to be new. Uh, and we do want to know what you're doing for Pride, by the way. So whether you want to get at us on social at wearechannelq.com using the hashtag Channel Q Curbside Pride, if you do, and you let us know how you're celebrating Pride with only six days left, we're going to hook you up with a Channel Q Curbside Pride pack Full of tchotchkes, lawn sign, window sign, window hanger, Channel Q t-shirts, Channel Q themed face mask. You know, I love a good face mask. I've I've decided, I saw a legit Gucci face mask yesterday, by the way, Char. No. (laughs) No, I will never. I will never. I know, I was like, there are so... 
you know, I'm on the I'm on the advisory board for an organization called APAIT, which does a lot of work for LGBTQ homeless uh, youth here in Southern California and um, other individuals who are at high, high risk for HIV. And we have like transitional housing for trans individuals, um, you know, who are whatever. So we do all this work and I'm on the advisory board. And I was like, you know, all the money that you spent on that Gucci mask. Do you know how much good I could have done with that money? Yeah, it's <laughs> like, do just, you really need a Gucci mask? You know, it's the American way. That's all I'm going to say. To put a nice little bow on it's the American way. Uh-huh. It is the American way. Well, it is time for this, I think this rhymes, the gay M.A. And this is the segment in the show on Wednesdays where we get to ask each other uh, little juicy questions. Everybody grab your cup of tea, heat it up a little bit. You get to sit down, you get to sip. We get to learn a little bit about each other and ask that question that sometimes maybe you've been wondering for a long time, but you are a little bit unsure if you are able to ask. So today I get to ask Shar my gay MA question. And then in the next segment, she will ask me, she will uh, break it down, whatever she's wanted to know about my life or me. But Shar, I do think that, and I don't mean this in like a patronizing sort of way, Mm -hmm. but you are incredibly brave being out and trans on the air. And I can imagine that that was not an easy process. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious as to, because I also feel like, cause I, I won't, we won't drop ages, but I feel like I'm such the elder. Like I was teasing you off air earlier. Like you give me li- <laughs> little sister energy. Right. I sort of have this moment of like, I'm proud of my little sister. Right. For just be like, you're like, I'm a trans woman. Here I am. And some of that is, you know, because of of people who were trailblazers for you or whatever. But I imagine that this, you know, you're such a personality on air and on television and radio and internet and whatever. And you're, you are out and trans and proud. And how did you get here? Like, what was it like the first time you said you were trans on the air? Oh, it was very nerve wracking because prior to uh, Caitlyn Jenner coming out, I lived in stealth pretty much i did not Mm. discuss it wasn't it wasn't a denial it just was i didn't discuss it and i still kind of sort of do not discuss it my transness unless it's pertinent to the conversation because i feel like if i if like for example if i'm invited to a show to discuss entertainment my lower third isn't going to say trans pop culture expert or what have you. Like I, I mm. bring it up when it's pertinent to certain conversations. But anyway, um, the first time I actually that I think the first time I actually really, really talked about being trans publicly on air um, at the time I was with After Buzz and I revealed it to my co-hosts on air while we were doing a an after show. I believe it was for I Am Kate. But we're in- and did they. Did they know before? No, <laughs> no, uh, no. So you're doing the after 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 buzz is one of the largest like after show networks, by the way. So people you watch a show and then you can tune in live on face or on YouTube and they they talk about. Yes, this. So you're this live on back the in air. The day, season one of I am Kate I'm live wow. on the air and I just dropped it and everybody's face was kind of like, oh, OK, you know, like it was like, OK, but it was scary for me. I did an interview for uh, Chicago's urban, one of their top urban radio stations, WGCI. Uh-huh. 107.5. Come on. You know, I know GCI. Yes, yes. I, I had the birth, the GCI birthday song sang for me, by the okay. way. Okay. 
Do you remember? Oh, that? of course, of course. <laughs> yes, I would love the GCI birthday song. That was that was my jam. But, um, but so you were on GCI. I right? did GCI, and that was nerve wracking. But you know what? I will say it's been freeing because I've always been someone who I want to tell my story, and I realized that in living in stealth, uh, there was always a threat of someone else being in control of telling my story. You know, someone mm. that I know knew from my past or whatever. And so it's been empowering, but it's also been. It's been more so empowering than it has been stifling, but there has been some some strife brought with it. Only because I find that a lot of places, when they find out that I'm trans, they they tend to try to pigeonhole me or make my mm-hmm. content very niche. And I'm a girl that's all over the place, and I'm not like the last girl. Like tra- the 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 experience in in womanhood and blackness and transness is not necessarily monolithic. So the girl that you got before me might not be me or the girl you get after me might not be me. And a lot of people still wrestle with that, I feel, because they want Mm -hmm. all of us to be the exact same and fit into this exact same narrow box that they put us in. So you mean all black trans women aren't the same? Uh, Shocking, right? (laughs) (laughs) Shocking. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I I really appreciate it. I, I just I was thinking about that. I'm like, gosh, what would that must be like? Like the first time you say it on air? It was it was nerve wracking. But even like I said, prior to I worked in the school district, I worked at the mall um, and and no one knew. And I I can tell you funny stories of how I knew that no one knew. (laughs) Mm, I just was existing. I I was minding my business and existing because, like I said, it was not pertinent to the job in LAUSD and it was not pertinent to the job at the mall. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Welcome back to Drop the Subject on the new Channel Q. It's James Q. Simmons. I am singing all the time. Yes, with heavy vibrato. <laughs> with, with heavy vibrato. That's because I'm hiding a horrible voice, Char. <laughs> <laughs> that lovely voice you hear is Char Jossel, by the way, and she is hosting with me all week long. We are two guest hosts that, for some reason, they gave us control of this show for four hours every day, Char, but I'm loving it. I hope that you are loving it as well. Drop the subject listeners because it really is all about you and Allie will be back next week she's doing great she just has the week off we are in the middle of the gay ma so in the last break i got to ask char about the first time she talked about being trans on the air and that whole experience which was really insightful and wonderful thank you very much now char jocelle it is your turn to dig a little deeper into the craziness that is my brain. <laughs> so my question to you, James, uh-huh. is I know that you're married. You're a black man uh-huh. who happens to be married to a white guy. I mm. want to know what that has been like and what you all's conversations have been like, especially at a time like this, where there, there are elevated conversations around race and class and racism and oppression. Who? <laughs> that's a lot um it has been ultimately i will say like bot like overarchingly overall has been very very good uh, and i don't i mean what basically what i what i go to is that we wouldn't be together we wouldn't be in this relationship if it wasn't good right, right? if right. i already didn't know who he is um and i think one of the things that has been so great about all of this throughout our entire relationship is that we've been able to speak really openly And Chris is very, very sort of respectful of the things that he doesn't know. And there, you know, there's this concept called white centering that, uh, you know, we've kind of been talking about a lot lately. And 
I think that kind of earlier on, there was maybe some of that going on. And I was like, okay, so let's talk about, I didn't call it white centering at the time, but I think earlier on, I was sort of like, okay, this is not about your reaction to this or how it fits in you. Because Chris is also someone who come from a very, very underprivileged background, um, very, very poor. Um, like I'm talking like eight people in a one bedroom house, poor, like, um, super poor environment, underprivileged. He was the first in his entire family ever to graduate college, like not just of his generation or what, like ever. No one in his family had ever even gone to college, let alone tried to graduate. Um, so he's done a lot and he's really, he's that, that pull yourself up by your bootstrap kind of story. Um, and so I think it's really easy for a lot of people, regardless of race to say, well, I had it bad too. Yes. And I think there was a little bit of that early on, but Chris has always been so open-minded in terms of like having a conversation about what that really means and what that means when he would say things like that mm-hmm. and how that would, t- you know, how that is sort of a microaggression in and of itself. And it's very white centered. And so how we can have these conversations about race without those dynamics in there. I think the other thing too, that has been really interesting about this Shar is that he just being with a black man has seen it. Right. right I think right. seeing seeing is believing. And there was a lot of him, you know, he before had dated uh, uh, men who are Latinx. Mm-hmm. And so and he also speaks Spanish fluently. Oh, wow. OK. And grew up in grew up in very, very poor, but grew up in Southern California. He's also lived in Mexico, Costa Rica, like other parts of the world. So like a very worldly knowledge, not a knowledgeable sort of individual. But I think understanding what happens when we start talking about microaggressions and systemic racism and all these things that are sort of ever present in our everyday lives until you actually see it and it gets called out. You sometimes don't really actually believe that it's happening. And so I think what's been really interesting and that's done a lot of the talking for me throughout this entire, our entire relationship so far is that he'll, he'll just see the things (laughs) he'll be like, Whoa, I get that now. Like when you say like that thing is racist or this X, Y, and Z happened or whatever, I totally get it now because he sees it. So these conversations have been very, very good. They've been very enlightening. Um, You know, he's right there. He was like, when are we going to the protest? And when are we doing these things? And, you know, he's been all over social media. He's been trying to educate folks and doing his thing too. I, I will say the only time there was a little bit of an itchy moment was he, uh, he did say once, this is like last week, I think he was like, can, can we just, can we just take a break? Like, can I have a day off? And so, of course, I had to slide in with, oh, well, I can't have a day off from being yeah, black, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but other than that, I, I uh, and I kind of teased him about it and I, I appreciated it, too, because even Shar, you and I have talked about like sometimes you just got to have a break. Like sometimes you just got to go watch the Kardashians for a hot second. So um, but thank you for that lovely question. It was very it was very, very good. And uh, I appreciate my relationship with my my white man who has been very woke. I'll use the word that the kids use. And uh, we definitely have some more wokeness uh, about this dang election and this president when we get back. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Pride is a thing that we feel. And apparently we feel it more in June than we feel in any month, other months. But I do not believe that. I feel like we are prideful all the time. And we want to know what you are doing for Pride this year because it's digital. It's virtual. We are not uh, priding in person 
these days, but we still want to know what you're doing. And when you go to wearechannelq.com and you upload a picture or a video of what you are doing for Pride, you get a Channel Q curbside Pride pack. We drop it off on your curbside and then you get to decorate your house because there's still six days left of Pride Month and you can have some fun with that with a Channel Q t-shirt, Channel Q face mask, Channel Q lawn signs and window signs and window hangers and all kinds of really, really cool stuff. And the coolest part is that when you do this, you have a chance to be on the air here on Channel Q with us to discuss how you celebrate your pride and how proud you are, which is fantastic. By the way, my name is James and I'm still here with Shar Jossel. And uh, there was some election yesterday, Shar Jossel. Drop the president. Oh, yes. And there was some voter suppression yesterday, James Simmons. <laughs> where where was this voter suppression? Um, in Kentucky. Uh, I feel, based on what I have seen, You know, Kentucky originally had about 3,700 polling places and whittled them down to less than 200 and they guised it under COVID scares. That's why they whittled uh, it down. And so uh, did you see the viral video of people at the at the doors trying to vote and they had locked the doors, but then there was an extension given because they closed at six. But because of the voter suppression, it created more traffic. For people because there's less wow. than 200 and so yeah it was a, a group of people that were literally banging on the doors to exercise their right to vote and they were locked and then they ended up unlocking them because an extension on the time was given so people See, were able to vote all of these things are just going to continue happening i i am so scared for november Oh, yeah. So fearful of what's going to happen in November. And, you know, Donald Trump has been saying that the easiest way to voter fraud is through mail, like mail in Mm -hmm. ballots. But then his campaign sent out a letter to supporters encouraging them to send in mail in ballots. I there's so much gaslighting going on and there's so much of this going on. And it scares me. For if we can't even hold primaries, smaller primaries in smaller states without drama, there's going to be so much more when we hold a national uh, presidential election. And I have a feeling that turnout is going to be fantastic this fall. I'm I'm of the belief that he and his administration and that party are going to do everything in their power to exercise voter suppression and literally everything in their power. So the fight will be with the people to really get out there and make a change. Cause I can understand how something like that could be discouraging when you're standing uh-huh. up to three hours in line to go vote. It, it's pretty, it's something else. I also, it doesn't seem to fully make sense to me that if you have 3,700 polling places and then you whittle them down to 200, you're actually going to have more people in enclosed spaces, which right. then makes transmission right. of COVID easier. I digress. <laughs> um, listen, speaking of Kentucky, by the way, um, the, the democratic primary there in Kentucky, this person would then be facing off against none other than Mitch McConnell. Yeah. Uh, It's Amy McGrath, who's gotten a lot of really big push from from national Democratic campaigns and and the the DNC in general uh, against uh, Charles Booker. And the numbers were actually this morning before the show a little bit too close to call. Amy McGrath has actually pulled away a little bit more. But Charles Booker, Booker is a black candidate from there expected to get most of or a good percentage of the Democratic vote in Louisville and urban areas there in Kentucky. So Louisville uh, and Lexington as well. Um, So that one is still a little bit too close to be seen. Um, There are some other 
big races that happened last night in New York and North Carolina as well. The 16th Congressional District, which was held for a very, very long time by Elliot Engel. Um, he has basically been there since 1988. Wow. Uh, he lost last night to Jamal Brown um, in a very, very lopsided 61 to 34 uh, 35%. Um, so that one was huge. Other races that um, are still too close to call that are out there in places like Kentucky, New York, and North Carolina. But speaking of New York, AOC very handily uh, held onto her seat in her first uh, election since uh, she, you know, as an incumbent. So yeah. uh, congratulations to AOC and the others out there. We will keep you updated as we get more information about these primaries uh, as they unfold. Our interview with Travell Anderson. You do not want to miss this, I promise. It's coming up next. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Welcome back to Drop the Subject. I am Allie Johnson. I am here with Shar Jossel. I'm just kidding. I am not Allie Johnson. I know you miss her. It's it's Wednesday. But she's coming back. We promise. She's off doing a fun, fabulous project right now. If you want to know more about that, check her out at your Allie Johnson. But right now. We have the honor and the privilege to talk with Travel Anderson. I'm so excited about this, by the way. There is a new documentary that has just come out. And we've, so we've talked about this a little bit before in the show uh, earlier this week, but we really wanted to highlight the, the documentary today. And Travel has been on with us before. Drop the subject, listeners. You know them. Travel, formerly of the LA Times, which, by the way, baby. Okay. Twitter. <laughs> okay. and you and the la times i feel like we need to talk about that for just a second travel like you Let's have the it. microphone but travel <laughs> form, formerly of out magazine and the los angeles times and all of the drama that's going on there and i believe travel was also trending on twitter yesterday not only about the disclosure documentary that's going on that travel is in but with everything going on at the la times it's hashtag been, black at lat yeah, I mean, well, I'll say this, you know, the current Black reporters at the Los Angeles Times wanted to organize, as we've seen a lot of organizing happening in newsrooms in this particular moment of, of social uprising and transformation. And they wanted to hold their newsroom accountable for the systemic racism issues that past Black reporters have faced, as well as the current reporters. And they reached out to a number of us to share kind of testimonials about our experience. And they staged this action with with their union guild that revealed and unleashed, if you will, some of these testimonials. And it represents not not a pretty picture of the Los Angeles Times. And what I've been saying is it represents kind of the journalism media space as a whole in terms of how it, um, you know, kind of uses us for our labor, but doesn't really invest in Black folks beyond that. And as far as like growth and promotion and things are concerned, for sure. Right. They, 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 we get high, specifically, I'll specifically talk about the LA Times. We get hired often at, in these entry level diversity program type positions and the path to growing there, both in terms of pure salaries, but also in terms of like position and responsibilities. It's just, there's just not a path there. And so many of us have left for a lot of those particular reasons. And many of the folks who are still there are still facing those issues. And so the, there's a black caucus that has been formed within the 
LA Times Guild to basically advocate for better resources and better support, um, primarily for the Black journalists, but also for the other journalists of color. And so, you know, I, Shar and I are on uh, NABJLA, the National Association of Black Journalists here in Los Angeles. I'm President Shar is one of our board members, and we released a statement yesterday in support and solidarity of the work that they're doing. I love that, Travel, very much. Thank you for sharing. I know this is, uh, it has been quite the topic uh, on Twitter the last few days and, and good as it should be as a part of, you know, talking about systemic racial injustices and racial violence, how we report on that and who reports on that is just as important a part of the story and how the story gets told. So thank you for your uh, advocacy and work with that. Now, speaking of telling stories... Yes. I, I just want to read, Shar, you found this earlier, right? This this uh, little blurb about disclosure, right, is an unprecedented eye-opening look at transgender depictions in film and television, revealing how Hollywood simultaneously reflects and manufactures our deepest anxieties about gender. Ooh, that's a lot of diversity. <laughs> <sentiment. laughs> yeah. I was just saying, it really is a fascinating uh, documentary. It was released on Juneteenth. (laughs) And um, Mm -hmm. I love what I thought was so ironic in that is that there are overlapping themes within this documentary where they do talk about the intersections of Blackness and queerness. And I'm like, who would have thunk it? You know, they talk (laughs) about, it discusses erasure of the Black man. Who knew that there was a Black man in Brandon Tina's story? You know, Boys Don't Cry, Hilary Swank talks about blackface. And so, yeah, it's it's really been eye-opening. But back to you, James. That was perfect. I just, I want to, I want to hear the the dialogue in particular about like, you know, Shar, you've mentioned a couple of times, both on and off air this week, that, that this sort of who this documentary is for. And I think that's really insightful. And I, I, I would love more of your perspective about that. I think the, the listeners should sort of hear who, who are interested in this and want to watch it you know, how your, that was sort of, I felt like your visceral reaction, Char, was like, well, this is not necessarily for me for particular reasons. Right. I don't know if Travel, I don't know if you agree with me, but I have been saying that I think that this particular film needs a trigger warning for trans people because I walked away from it acknowledging the, the beauty that it mm-hmm. had to offer. And I really appreciated the deep dive into the history because I've talked about this. I, I did a podcast with Travel last year to discussing um, trans representation in the media. I did uh, Models of Pride for the kids. We talked to the kids, the teenagers, with my <laughs> podcast about this. But I've never, like some of these things I just didn't know about. And, and especially as, as far as like the overarching perceptions through some of the films and some of the media. And so I felt like I walked away from it, like I said, acknowledging the beauty of the film, but also acknowledging that this isn't for me. This is for yeah. other people because I live it. Yeah, I think that I think that's a, a very astute observation. One of the things I've been saying is that, you know, I think cis audiences and trans audiences will take two different things away from it. I think for some trans folks, for those of us who don't, you know, live in a community with other trans people who don't have a connection to that lineage, that history of what these trans images have looked like, you know, this can be trigger- triggering, it can be traumatic, but I think it's necessary for trans folks to know that history and connect to that history history 
as we kind of chart our path forward. But more than that, this is a documentary for cis folks to do their own education about what it's like living um, as trans folks, what it's like when non-trans folks tell trans stories and how that impacts those of us who are on the ground, right? There's a statistic in it from GLAAD that 80% of people say they don't personally know a trans person. Therefore, the only way that they are getting ideas about us as a community is via the films and the shows. And so if all of those TV shows and all of those films have trans people being the butt of a joke or they have trans people being abused or uh, assaulted or murdered, then who's to say that they won't internalize those thoughts and approach actual trans people on the streets in those particular ways. And so it is, there are two different things I think happening depending on who's watching and who the audience is when you, when you check out Disclosure. There were some really pretty insightful things in that. Um, in particular, Shar, you brought this up. You know, I grew up in Nebraska and very much remember the Brandon Tina story and very much remember living through that as a young black queer kid and then seeing the movie and later on in college and then not even realizing again, not even remembering until this documentary Mm -hmm. that there was a black man involved in the story who Mm -hmm. completely got written out of the movie. Wasn't really talked about as far as I can remember. Well, exactly. We know exactly why this black (laughs) man was written out of this story. Right. So even, even then someone who was in Nebraska, I mean, I grew up an hour from where this happened. Like I very much remember it happening. So it was very insightful. We have lots more to talk about uh, with Travell Anderson and Shar Jossel on Drop the Subject. We'll be right back. Drop the Subject, the new Channel Q. Welcome back to Drop the Subject on the new Channel Q. James Q. Simmons with guest host Shar Jossel all week long. And we are continuing our conversation with Travell Anderson, host of Fanti Podcast. Yeah. And involved in Disclosure, which is one of the hottest, most trending. I got to throw that in there too, right? This Everyone is watching this documentary, but not just because it's like, uh, you know, love is blind or some escapism, but it is real. Um, I love that it came out on Juneteenth. Obviously, I love that it's during Pride Month. It is opening up a lot of dialogue and a lot of conversations about uh, very important topics and issues of trans representation in the media and in the entertainment industry. And Travell is in the documentary. Travell, how did this go down? How did you get in the documentary? You know, I'm only in the documentary for like, you know, 60 seconds, maybe. Okay. But, you know, I was working. The glow is there. Okay. The glow. The glow. It was. I mean, <laughs> yes, yes. I was fabulously. working um, at that time. I was working at the Los Angeles Times, um, ironically, and you know they put that together this film directed by Sam Fader, executive produced by Laverne Cox, and they wanted as many trans folks of a variety of experiences involved in the production as possible. So every face that you see on screen identifies as a member of the trans community or gender expansive, gender nonconforming community, and then the majority of the people behind the scenes, the the DP, the editor, you know, uh, they had folks in the sound department and in the, in the audio department, makeup, everybody was trans for the most part, over 150 trans people were involved in this project. And um, I think it's really amazing to point that out because, you know, we're in an industry where they're always saying that, you know, they can't find us, they can't find trans people to play trans characters, they can't find black people to do, you know, certain things. And it's like, actually, we're here, you just have to do the work and have that intention. And, you know, that's one of the beautiful things of Sam, who is a, he's a white trans man and executive produced by Laverne Cox, a black trans woman, to bring 
bring this story of, you know, 150 some odd years of misrepresentation of the trans community. What impact do you think that the larger scale of some of these problematic tropes being embedded into our subconscious has mm-hmm. has done to us both as trans people and as cis people ingesting these images over the past hundred something years. Well, I mean, I think going back to that that statistic I mentioned earlier from Glad, I think, you know, we often talk about, you know, the power that media has, but that sometimes comes off as very like woo-woo, um, as like, um, there's power in representation, but like it really is, if we're going to believe that that statistic is is the case, and because 80% allegedly of people don't know a trans person, that often means that some trans people don't know other trans people to be in community with. And so if you're watching people who look like you, people that you identify with get brutalized, right on screen who's to say that you won't feel that you deserve to be brutalized or you deserve to be you know just relegated to the, the closet or the particular sectors of the community because of all of these images that you've seen on screen so it, it goes both ways in terms of how cis people treat us but also how we kind of treat and and feel about our own worth within the community i think the hope is that in this moment where people are talking about doing the work and educating themselves like this is a documentary that trans people put a lot of effort into that a lot of folks can look at and do the start, like the beginning stages of their own work to understand the ways in which we all kind of participate in kind of this this passive transphobia and this passive like anti-trans behavior. I'd be willing also to challenge that statistic about 80% of people not knowing a trans person. I'd say out <laughs> trans person because stealth is real. And I'm glad that that, yeah. that, we, that stealth living in stealth was touched on in this documentary. I think you're very right about that. And, you know, one of my favorite stories from the documentary is of Sandra Caldwell. You know, I always, you know, Anybody who knows me knows that The Cheetah Girls is one of my favorite movies. And to know, I always thought that Raven Simone was the reason I was watching. But to know that there was a trans woman who right was there. living stealth at the time <laughs> right there in the movie, I think is just like, uh, it very much talks to your point, right? That like, you actually probably do know trans people and you just don't know that you know trans people because our broader society has forced them to live, quote unquote, stealth as a means of survival, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like, your sibling, your coworker, your your pastor, your whomever, right, could be trans and you just don't know. And so like, that's why you need to be treating trans people better. Like these are people who are in your families and in your communities already. I thought it was really interesting how the documentary handled Caitlyn Jenner and the, mm. the show of I Am Kate and particularly Jen Richards' response and that she kind of broke it for me because I, I, w- I was very like, whatever about Kate. And I was like super <laughs> mad about that. But Jen was like, say what you will. But this show changed a lot for a lot of people. And, you know, I think she had a very personal connection to a sort of a moment in that show that came yeah. through in the documentary. But I, I, I'm just curious about your perspective about particularly like, because that's where a lot of people stopped, right? They were like, oh, Caitlyn Jenner's trans came out and then, okay, that show was cool and whatever and haven't done any work since then. And I thought, I just want to sort of wanted to know your thought about how the documentary. And they didn't watch the show. (laughs) Well, right. So Shara's point, a lot of people didn't watch I Am Kate, the TV show, but with Caitlyn Jenner's coming out and her being part of the the Kardashian-Jenner clan and, you know, all of the attention that that family gets, in a lot of ways... I always say that some people didn't know about Laverne Cox. Some people didn't watch Orange is the New Black, right? But they knew 
what was surrounding Caitlyn Jenner and her coming out, her sitting down and talking with Diane Sawyer, her being on the cover of Vanity Fair, there that was a another level in this conversation about the transgender tipping point in terms of visibility. And while, you know, she said a lot of stupid, you know what, from her perspective of, of still being, you know, a wealthy white woman who has access and privilege and, you know, it identifies as a Republican and all these different things, that show was able to introduce the people who did watch it to more perspectives within the trans community. And I think it did help us get to this moment where I think a lot of people would say it's not um, it's not acceptable to act like you just don't know. Right. right. I always say really quickly, I always say the thing about Caitlyn is that she transcended generations where mm-hmm. your grandparents knew of, of, of Caitlyn, but also your little four-year-old cousin may know of Caitlyn as well because of the Kardashians yes. and their hypervisibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because and re- of Caitlyn's Olympic achievements. And that regardless of, of what Caitlyn says or how she identifies politically or whatever, that that it has an impact on people on multiple generations. I love that, Shar. All right, Travel, we have to run. We got to get out of here. But real quick, tell the kids where they can find you. You can find my podcast with former Channel Q host Jared Hill, Fanti, wherever you get Slay the Audio. And I'm on Twitter at Travel Anderson. Thank you very much, Travel. We really appreciate it. More on Drop the Subject coming up next. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject presents News It or Lose It. Welcome back to Drop the Subject on the new Channel Q. If you didn't get the hint in the last two breaks when we were talking to Travel Anderson. Please go watch the documentary Disclosure on Netflix right now. It is Also, it, if you want to join the conversation, hashtag Disclosure Doc or hashtag Disclosure Netflix. If you oh, want to join the conversation on socials. Love it. And it is a fire of a conversation out there um, already about that. And I, I, Shar, you said you've watched it a couple of times already and I, I'm with you. I watched it once and I'm like, okay, whew. I need to go back. <laughs> yeah. I need to watch this again. I need to reprocess a lot of things. I really need to pay attention to some things. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that. I am also excited right now, by the way, because it's time for News It or Lose It. I have my binger, banger, dinger, clanger. Okay. Today's works. Today's Today- works. <laughs> <laughs> right. Today's a, today's a little better than yesterday. Uh, very good. Char, Jocelle has three stories. I have three decisions to make. Shar, take it away. All right, my first story. Oh, I should note that today I am Shar Stephanopoulos, which I've been before, but that is a nod to George over on we GMA. Love George. So my first story today, huge dead iguana found in freezer of gross Florida pizzeria. What? Uh yeah. Okay. Second story, a lot of Americans have broken quarantine for a booty call. You know what? I know this because I'm seeing it firsthand. I also have a lot of people come at me at Ask the NP and they're like, can I just, I know this person, I trust them. Can I just, can I just, so no, I'm, I'm good with this one. I'm going to lose that one. Okay, and the final one, even though we're Channel Q, this is a bit of a cishet story. Well, not even uh-huh. cis, it's a het story. Uh-huh. Women find single men with cats less dateable than those with dogs. Ha, 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 ha. Totally talking about this because 
We have lots of cat dog things going on on this show. Jesse has a new kitten. I don't. I don't think we've talked about this yet. Her name is Ophelia. I love and, Ophelia. Uh, but I Jesse's mean, also not single. Jesse's not single, but I do want to. I wonder if Jesse, did you have a cat before you met your girlfriend? No. Yes. He yeah, did. He did. Oh, he did. he did. So a single man with a cat. Very See? very interesting. Uh, all right, fire away, Char. Well, a pizza joint in West Palm Beach, Florida, was temporarily shuttered last week after <laughs> state, infec- state inspectors found an 80-pound iguana what? stashed in the freezer. The dead reptile was gifted to the owner of Pizza Mambo and was stored as a future snack in a separate freezer away what? from the restaurant's food. The pizza Future shop. Snack. Uh, yes, that's what it says. This is according to the New York Post. <laughs> the pizza shop immediately trashed the creature when they were notified about the violation. But in addition to the iguana problem, the pizza joint was hit with 26 other violations, including oh, for rodent snap. droppings and dead roaches. The restaurant's uh, uh. license expired December 1st. Um, and was also there was also food with like mold like growth found so yeah uh, see only in Florida in the, I, well right I mean you started off with West Palm Beach and I was like well there we go you can just you, you can just end the story right there but I don't I love going out to a restaurant I like I said earlier I used to work in restaurant like I so I know unfortunately what goes into like preparation of food and drink and whatever but I I am able to compartmentalize pretty well and just like put that to the side and be like all right I'm not going to remember the stuff that used to happen when I was working in a restaurant ooh. but stories like this ooh they bring me back and it's so nasty that is so nasty an 80 pound iguana do you know how big that lizard had to be that's like Godzilla <laughs> That is huge, right? So my second story for the day, a new study suggests that single men with cats may have more trouble attracting women than other men. Apparently, the same cannot be said for dogs who don't seem to negatively impact a man's attractiveness to women. Now, this was a story that, uh, excuse me, a study that was carried out by Colorado State University. And this is according to Yahoo Lifestyle Reports. 1,380 women between the ages of 18 to 24 were shown photographs of the same man, okay? The pictures were basically the same image, except one showed him holding a tabby cat and the other did not. The women were asked to rate the man on various attributes like personality, masculinity, and dateability. The survey results reportedly found that women found the man holding the cat to be less masculine and less dateable. And I think, James, that this speaks to a larger issue Mm -hmm. that goes into homophobia and Mm -hmm. Patriarchy and upholding these standards because how does owning a cat make a man less masculine or less dateable unless you have an allergy or a fear of cats it really doesn't make sense to me how that would impact the man I would totally date a cat owner right I mean it it speaks to so much though you make that that perfect point that it's not uh, like we could really go in on that issue um, but unfortunately we we don't have time right (laughs) but we could peel a lot about that Uh, my goodness All right. so if you're single I guess well depending on who you're trying to attract maybe you do or do not have a cat happy endings are coming up it has been a heck of a show and we're gonna wrap it up with a nice tidy bow when we get back Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Allie Johnson. 
is the person who normally hosts this show, but she's not here this week. So I am James Q. Simmons with Shar Jossel. We thank you so much for listening. It has been a heck of a show. Allie will be back next week. She's off doing a fun project. She's doing just fine. Don't worry about her. Shar and I are going to hold it down, lock it down for you the rest of the week. Um, we, of course, later on in this week, have Jason Carter coming up for our uh, entertainment report as well. And I'm always Dr. Jen on Friday. So lots of good, yummy, juicy, fantastic things for you here on Drop the Subject. Also, what is good and yummy and fantastic and juicy is what you are doing for Pride. And we want to know about it at wearechannelq.com. You're going to upload that video or that picture or that tie, not tie-dye dog. No, we were saying safely um, painted. <laughs> <laughs> You're safely painted iguana. Uh, 80 pound. <laughs> 80 pound iguana. You're going to upload uh, uh, so we can know what you are doing for channel for your pride. And if you get at us on our socials at We Are Channel Q, please use the hashtag Channel Q Curbside Pride. When you do all of this, we're going to drop off to you a Channel Q Curbside Pride pack full of games and tchotchkes and sh- shirts and face masks and all of that and an opportunity for you to be on air here on channel Q to tell us about what you do for your pride. This is a bittersweet moment in the show, Char, because it means it's happy endings. So we get to talk about happy endings, but it means the show's over. I know another day. These shows are just melting together for me. I can't believe that this is the conclusion (laughs) of day three. Isn't that something? We're only two days left. Well, you you are a very, very busy person. You have so many different <laughs> things going on and uh, I BET Awards this weekend yes. and like all kinds of things. So we are very thankful and grateful that you are able to uh, still spend some time with us every day, Shar. Thank you so much for that. And without further ado, do you have your happy ending? I do. So my happy ending today is despite all of the nonsense and racism, Confederate flags and nooses being found in garage number four uh, at going on at NASCAR, <laughs> I am really, really happy about a story about Denny Hamlin and FedEx. FedEx normally sponsors Denny Hamlin's car. I should note uh-huh. that he's also a NASCAR driver. Um and they normally sponsor his car, but they have chosen to remove their branding in an effort to highlight the National Civil Rights Museum instead. So wow. despite everything that's going on, shout out to FedEx for that. And right. Denny, it's great. Good job, FedEx and Denny Hamlin and NASCAR for trying their hardest to do the right thing in in spite of all of they're getting a lot of pushback. It has not been easy for them, for sure. Um, very good. Thank you for that. All right. So my happy ending goes a little something like this. Hit it. Nope. No one gets no one's picking up all the reference. I've been trying to sing all day. I mean, you know what my happy ending should be for the drop the subject listeners that I'm going to stop singing. I'm not. No, don't stop singing. I love when you sing. Oh, thank you. I know your ears are bleeding, but you're still sweet to say that. I feel like, so my happy ending. If Andrew Yang wants me to own and sell my own data, do you think I can also ask him for that $1,000 a month he's supposed to give us? Okay. I, I think it's, <laughs> listen, I think it's fair game. My purse can certainly use some stimulation if you know what I mean <laughs> right right I used to when we were talking about stimulus package Char, or a couple months ago I called stimulize please stimulize yes. my package I, I need that very much so uh, so listen drop the subject listeners we thank you so much for listening Shar and I will be here for two more days on Thursday and Friday Allie Johnson comes back next week 
Either way, we hope you have a fantastic day. We really appreciate you listening. Do not forget if you missed anything, go ahead and download that podcast at radio.com or wherever you get your podcast. Drop the subject subject listeners. Love you. Love you. Bye, guys. On the next next. Drop the subject. On the next show, I get to play a rousing round of gay, gay, or cray, cray with guest host Shar Jossel and Jason Carter from Entertainment Tonight, The Young Turks, and RuPaul's Drag Race joins the show to discuss the hottest topics in Hollywood. Ooh, maybe since Allie is gone, we finally get to talk about the Kardashians. Drop the subject. 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Pacific, 1 to 4 Eastern on Channel Q.